We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City. On June 4th, we are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest and then the final event the behind the bangs writing workshop i finally did it put it together put together this workshop because i wrote this book in many ways for younger me and younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught i wanted the gyms i wanted i wanted the knowledge i wanted the education that's what i would have wanted so i've decided i'm doing it and in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn 15 years in my 15 year career as a tv writer and author and blah 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 all the other things i've written there are six things that i always use and all of those are in this workshop so if you have an interest in writing sign up all the ticket links are live today click the show notes click my instagram we are coming to a city near you and there's going to be some meet and greets i'll sign some copies of books we'll give out more books and i have uh, some pieces of merch that i'm taking on the road and i'm gonna give them out at the shows Welcome to Celebrity Book Club. This is a podcast that recaps and celebrates the memoirs of female celebrities. I'm your host, Chelsea Devantes. I am a TV writer, comedian, and filmmaker, and sometimes I'm in stuff too. Now this week we are book clubbing Holly Madison's memoir titled Down the Rabbit Hole, Curious Adventures and Cautionary Tales of a Former Playboy Bunny. It was published in 2015. This book is so good. It's very dark, which you know, I love, I read the entire thing in a day. I couldn't put it down. It spills all the secrets of the Playboy Mansion. It revisits the 2000s in a way that will mm, truly make you want to vomit at what we all had to endure as a culture. And it may inspire you to go back and watch every episode of Girls Next Door, which is something I've been doing. And what a ride. For Hef's 81st birthday, we are going to have his birthday in Vegas, which is a really big deal because it's the first time he's done that. I better find some cute outfits. <laughs> okay, that was the theme song from Girls Next Door and a clip of Holly on the reality show, uh, you know, when she was back in the mansion and pretending to love it. And we're going to dive into everything Holly Madison and Playboy Bunny today with my amazing guest, Wes Perry. Hi, Wes. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Chelsea. <laughs> I'm so excited to see you and to catch up with you, even though it's being recorded. Oh, me too. Me too. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Okay, so Wes and I, we 
have been on a book journey. But first, I want to introduce Wes. He is a singer, a storyteller, a performer. He's been singing with a symphony in San Diego. He's a musician. But I know him from our comedian days and when Wes was doing drag, performing in Chicago, a little thing called IO Theater in the Second City. Um, oh, yeah. and, and And just has performed some of my favorite shows I've ever seen. And like your one your one man shows, like normally a genre that's like really not done well. And you <laughs> you like reinvigorated that genre for me. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much. I've always thought of you as as a genre defier as well. Oh, wow. So Thank you. I'll be adding that to my Instagram friends. bio. Genre <laughs> defier. So tell me, what made you uh, inspired to read Holly Madison's memoir, which you had already read before we decided to do this podcast? I had already read it. It was my dirty little secret that I had fallen head over heels for the girls next door during the pandemic, um, which I like that you brought up earlier that it's uh, 2000s. It's the most millennial, early 2000s yep. thing I can think of when I when I went back to it. And I'm, so I'm living in San Diego now, which is where I grew up. I lived in Chicago for 15 years where I met you and did comedy and drag and all kinds of things. And I was almost, uh, the girls next door represented the California I was literally running away from. Yes. This, very heterosexual, hypersexual, mm-hmm. um, performative, uh, performative, vapid. vapid. Oh, what good words! <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it represented all of that. And I think you know when I moved to Chicago, you know the the OC was big and the Laguna Beach show and all those shows. And to me, all of that was just like nails on a chalkboard. And yeah. people would want to talk to me about it. I'd be like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. So all these, during the pandemic, I, before, shortly before the pandemic, I had to move home um, to take care of my, my mother passed away. And so I moved here to take care of my father. So all of a sudden, I'm back in Southern California. Uh, I've gone, just like Holly, I've gone from a, you know, apartment in the city next to an alleyway to living in a big house in California, you know, that's beautifully landscaped yep. and has, you know. Do you have peacocks on your land as well? Uh, no peacocks, but we do have a, a, a hawk that comes by every once that's in a while. That's it. That's the same thing. <laughs> but um, but that really is the California dream to have like a castle with a peacock and stuff. So all of a sudden, I I saw that in a different way. And I was spending a lot of time with my father, who we were really bonding over watching old movies. Mm. So we had gone through all Just of... Just like Hugh Hefner and Holly. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so I, so all of a sudden this world where you're sort of trying to, living in a castle, trying to please an old man, living in a Hollywood fantasy, it all just washed over me. (laughs) And you were like, I, I need a guide through this new life, Holly Mm -hmm. Madison. And then, well, once I binged the show during the lockdown, I said, well, I had so many questions. Yeah. Yeah. I binged the show as a lot of people did. And and then I said, um, I, I got to know more. And it was the very first Audible book I ever bought. Okay. And I actually listened to it on the way to get my first vaccine. So I'm listening uh, yeah. to all the guys. Yes, I mean, this is a good timestamp too, of like where, where your mental brain is at. We're at first vaccine time. Yeah, so I was at yeah, peak, maybe stress, shall we say? Yes. Or yeah, peak quarantine. And I turned to Holly because I really... On watching it, I I kind of looked up to her. Yeah. And I thought, here's somebody who's very smart, a girl who's very smart, 
and is really making the best of what could be a very bad situation. Yes. Uh, that is so well said. And I, people had recommended this book to me. And I think for the same reasons, I was like, I don't want to talk about Playboy. And mm. wow, am I so glad I read it and revisited <laughs> it. And I ha- it just totally reframed everything. And before yeah. we fully dive into it, I have to tell the story of how you and I first met, which was Please. in Chicago. In Chicago. Uh, day one of our comedy studies class. Semester abroad at the Second City. <laughs> A semester abroad at the Second City, Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. Run by Ann Libra, who started the first college program where you can just study comedy. And yeah. Wes and I met, and Wes was so fabulous. He already lived in Chicago. And... <laughs> And I was like so grateful when I was like, will this person be my friend? And you, and then you started to be my friend. I was like, okay, I'm going to be okay. And then my favorite, uh, or I, I would say like the thing I, I really owe a lot to you. And the, and one of the things I owe most to you is that you are the person who showed me Paris is burning. Um, really? Yeah. I did. Yeah, you you would wow. like Wes would bring me over to his apartment and he would like play beautiful records. He'd show me I just feel like you were just like <laughs> culture. <laughs> and you would he would play DVDs I needed. Well you to should see. mention that this apartment was like in the middle of Wrigleyville, could see, <laughs> yes. you know, the Cubs Stadium. So I sort of I had to step would over vomit to world. get into the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, we'd have to step over barf and people peeing. Yes, and, yes. And then we'd come up and listen to jazz and watch drag queens. Yeah. Yes. And like I I had I had I, I think my relationship to drag was like very surface level at that time. And you showed me the deeper side of drag that is now like the art form wow. I cling to the most. So thank you. I, I didn't even remember that. Really? Uh my I obviously remember you from the from Second City, and I mean, you were the, like the star of our little student show. And, <laughs> yes, our but then two when you, person student show. <laughs> <laughs> then when you decided to move to Chicago, you also lived near Wrigley Field. Oh yeah, and we both had these kind of starter apartments, you know, where they've sort of everything's been painted over a hundred times. The apartment was four hundred square feet total. I owned one pot mm-hmm. that I used for everything. I would just I would fry an egg in the pot. I'd boil water in the pot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Starter is like, what's before starter? That's what we had. <laughs> and so what I, the st- what I really remember is that you, you know, you've always been, I- I've loved watching you work and your work ethic and the way you think mm-hmm. and, and put such quality into everything that you do. And so you had just moved to the city. Yeah, you have this apartment with no furniture and you had this idea of being a waitress. Do you remember this? And so, yeah, so I, I, I hung out with you like almost every day as you were applying for this waitressing job That's, at this really fancy restaurant. That's right. And I, I hope you don't mind me telling this. No, please. I, I believe you may have fibbed a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and oh, yeah. said that you had a lot more waitressing experience than you had? Um, you know, I had ha- I did have a lot of waitressing experience. I fibbed and said I had wine and fine wine dining experience. experience, which I had zero That's what of. I remember, yeah. is you made flashcards about <laughs> each of the different wines. And I went through the flashcards with you about this fancy red and this white. And and I just thought, wow, <laughs> this person is, is, is really serious. This person's going to go far. And That's- what I'd also... <laughs> I remember ultimately when you got the job, 
I remember at a, uh, well, first of all, I remember that you had, again, maybe another fib was that you'd said that you had worked with this computer system before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, it was like, but, do you know whatever blah to be a waitress? I was like, yeah, sure. You're like, yeah. And then there was like a VIP and you didn't hit the VIP button. That's right. And it caught, anyway. It caught, I, and I, I was creamed. I will, <laughs> I will say this. I was desperate for money. I needed money yeah. so bad. And I was like, I will get hired at this fine dining place. And I did, but wow, jokes on me because I think I was kicked <laughs> out within like a month. And all that wine training was for nothing. Wes, I totally forgot about that. Well, I feel, I'm, I'm sure you used a little bit in your own life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I still love a a, a Cobb Sauve Blanc. Uh, that's not a real yeah. wine. Okay. Those flashcards weren't for nothing. They weren't for nothing. <laughs> Thank you, Wes. I can order wine at a restaurant. That is, I completely forgot I did that to you. Thank you for being my friend. <laughs> um, okay, wow. So diving into Holly. I just want to give a little context to this story into who she is. So she was born Holly Sue. She was a small town girl. She was born in Oregon. Her family moved to Alaska. Her last name was Colin. She changes her last name to Madison to, you know, become a glamorous star. And when she's in her early 20s, she moves to Los Angeles because she wants to be an actress. And she grew up revering Playboy, as a lot of women did. And because, you know, their dads revered Playboy or, you know, Playboy was this idea that if you were in it, you were the most beautiful woman in the world. And Marilyn Monroe was the first Playboy bunny. And so I think a lot of people judge Holly and all women in Playboy as like, well, you chose to participate in this thing that objectifies women. But I think that personally, my personal opinion on that is that it's that's just very flawed thinking because these were opportunities given to us as a culture. And on top of that, uh, you know, opportunities given to women were like, oh, well, here's this avenue to success and fame. And on top of that, everyone in culture learned to look upon the Playboy beauty standard and the magazine with this reverence. And so, you know, for sexism to be bred into all of us and then girls want to be a part of that because they see people respecting it, I just, uh, I just get it. I get how she got there and thought, I want this to be a part of my life. Obviously, that's not a choice I've made, but I think Hef also sold us this lie. He sold everyone this lie that Playboy bunnies were wholesome, America's sweethearts. They had dignity and respect to it, and it was this, the mansion was this beautiful place, and Hef was just a hopeless romantic, and these were all things he made a part of the brand. So when Holly is making that initial choice to go and see if she can be a part of this world. She's thinking that's what she's buying into because that's what's being sold. And then once she gets there, we'll slowly realize all the ways that it is actually just the most fucked up, manipulative, awful world, which, you know, is obviously, it's obvious to a lot of us, but I think as a young girl in that year, maybe less obvious. And so this is really about making that choice and then what happens to you afterwards and what happens to someone who tries to make the best out of something that she got, you know, you could say she got herself into, that culture got herself into, that Hef made happen, but she's going to make the best out of something very, very horrible. And that is really the thrust of this book. So I want to start with reading two paragraphs from the preface, which really gives us our, our memoir base. She said, I've seen 
both sugar-coated and sensationalized accounts of life at the mansion, but nothing I've ever read remotely resembles what I actually experienced. I always thought it would be classy to not kiss and tell, but after a while, you just get sick of having other people trying to tell your story for you. She also said, I'm not stupid. I know how unsavory that whole situation was. You could read it all over my unsmiling face. Cameras often caught me rolling my eyes or looking totally uninterested. As if I didn't feel trapped enough, I'd built up a wall around me. I'd gotten myself into a bad situation, but I became distinctly aware that was not the impression fans walked away with. So she's talking about being a Playboy Bunny, being girlfriend number one in Hugh Hefner's mansion and being on the reality show and realizing that if she didn't write this book, everyone would think that she just loved being in the mansion because that's what she said on camera. So yeah. I love that's the that story. She, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the story you, that they all have to tell. Yes, yeah. in order to even live there. Like, to keep your... And what's so funny, because she keeps being like, it's, it's like a job. Like, it's the job of Hugh Hefner's girlfriend. Like, you get an allowance, you get housing. <laughs> like, it felt very much like a shitty comedy show. Like, if you do your comedy, like, you get free chicken wings, and you get to stay in this, like, hotel covered in blood, and you're like, I'll do it. <laughs> it's one of those starter gigs, yeah. I mean, that, that's how she sort of saw it, right? Ultim- as a bridge, maybe, to something. Yeah. And then, and then the bridge becomes... Uh, a jail of sorts. <laughs> a, a jail. Yes, that's exactly what it's like. And I, I, I loved seeing in this book the ladder you would climb. So, like, mm. to once you're like a playmate, the idea is that like maybe you could be an actress, like Pamela Anderson. And Holly wanted to be an actress. It's why she moves to LA, and mm-hmm. uh, she she saw an opportunity. She was a Hawaiian tropic. Bikini model. And mm-hmm. this is so disgusting. <laughs> Hugh Hefner's doctor, like the resident, like Playboy physician, is at the mm-hmm. bikini competition. I'm sure, you know, looking at the human form, doing some physical <laughs> exams, he shouldn't be doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he is like, hey, you should come to the Sunday pool party at the mansion. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh my God, the Playboy mansion. And so the ladder you would climb is. Sunday pool parties. Then if you were good at the Sunday pool parties, you could get invited to the real parties. Then you could go clubbing. Then you had to fuck Hugh Hefner. And then you could maybe live in the mansion. Then you could maybe be his girlfriend. And then you could maybe be a playmate. And the moment you're a playmate, you could then leave. Does that, was that what you tracked as well? That, that seems about right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But none of these rules are, are, written down. Yes. Right? And and so girls have to kind of yeah, figure it out for themselves, talk to each other and maybe the way it was for one girl's not going to be the way it is for you. And so there's all this like you got to stay on your toes. Yeah. And I mean Holly's big point is that she always thought that the other girls were the problem. I get, maybe I'm jumping ahead. No, please. But, but uh, you know, she says that ultimately she saw that 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 half was the problem that he he was like this, you know, he was he liked being like Archie with Betty and Veronica and then a dozen other girls. Betty and Veronica and Veronica and Veronica and Veronica. And Veronica. <laughs> that was just a little teaser of our patron-only episode, and it gets even spicier from there. If you would like to hear the rest of the episode, go to patreon.com slash Chelsea It is also linked in the show notes, and sign up to become a patron. For $5 a month, you get access to the bonus episodes once a month and first dibs on live show tickets. And if you don't want to become a patron, that's fine. We will keep dropping our normal episodes, but bonus episodes are only for what we're calling our cookie patrons because this podcast is 
totally independent now. We are funded and supported fully by the Patreon. So sign up to get a bonus episode and also sign up to support the show. And it's patreon.com slash Chelsea Devontas.